This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering firms. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to your latest episode of the World's Best Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Fred, and as always, I'm joined by Luke and Liam. Let's come to Liam first this week. How you been, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm doing good. Not much to uh, report over here, mate. I've just I've actually just been working a lot, to be honest with you. Good to hear. Good to mm. hear. I like to work them hard and B1M, keep them grinding. <laughs> <laughs> How you been, Luke? <laughs> yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad at all. Um, I've got to admit something. Right, I'm a bit I'm a bit late to something. Broadchurch. Have you watched Broadchurch before? No. It's no. an old person's program, isn't it? It right. So yeah, maybe. But Arley's mum, my missus mum, came down like a few weeks ago and she, she was just like had Broadchurch on. I was like, oh yeah, what's this? By the end of it, I was just I was hooked. This show is phenomenal. It is so good. You know, the one with David Tennant, the British one. I think the Americans have remade it. Anyway, there is an absolutely delicious building in this show that's that kind of like Francis Wessex Crown Court. Um, but it's it it turns out that it's actually the forum at uh, University of Exeter. But it's by Wilkinson really? Wilkinson Air, is it? Is that oh, is it air? I, to, I think it's Wilkinson Air, yeah. I should have to go and give that a give that a look. Mm, it's delicious, mate. Absolutely mm. delicious. And uh, yeah, for the second season, it's pretty much like the epicenter of the whole series because there's this trial going on. Oh, my days, mate. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Broadchurch, give it a watch. It's one of the best things I've seen recently. And I know I'm like I'm like 10 years late to it, but we're, we're loving it at the moment. <laughs> good to see you, mate. Good to see yeah. you. It's good to hear yeah. you like you know, shouting out your favourite shows and you even pay for that one or... Uh, just, just not general. this time round. Not this no. time round. Not by the show, but by Wilkinson Air. You know they've got some brownie <laughs> points now. They got some brownie, <laughs> but they've done some. Big, they do big stuff, don't they? Because yeah, I went Bats on a little Bats wiki. Station. Right, but see, they've done a tower in China recently, right? Something. Mm-hmm. I mean, who ain't who ain't done a tower in China? <laughs> <laughs> <Me>? <laughs> China. They're a good firm. Very good firm. I had a very uh, interesting week over in Belgium. So I had a few days in Belgium end last week, flying into Brussels, but then visiting Antwerp. Uh, very cool project we're covering over there. Very excited to bring that out on the B1M soon. Not going to tell you too much about it because I don't want to spoil it. But uh, yeah, it was an epic project. Lots of concrete, lots of very cool engineering. The sun was shining, but my goodness me, it was absolutely freezing. I took a picture of the weather app on my phone because it said it was minus seven, but the feels like temperature was minus 11. It was absolutely, yeah, even our camera kit was doing funny stuff because it was like, I'm too cold. Where are we? No. Get me back to Frankfurt in August. 
<laughs> skinny jean weather mate when is skinny yeah. jean weather again <laughs> it was good though it was very good my first ever visit to belgium i'm ashamed to say but now i can tick it off on my list and i was actually there got my passport stamped did a bit of contactless payment you know slept the night i think that counts did you drive did you drive there or was it just I easy did, to uh, fly? i well because of time i flew so with these mm. uh european filming trips it's all about getting in and out as quick as we can so back home for flying dinner. yeah flying in and out well mostly from a cost perspective but uh yeah <laughs> flying in and out was a better way to do it and we drove from brussels up to antwerp and drove around the city and stuff so yeah it was good good and we- very it's just a very cool video i'm looking forward to bringing it out mm. soon on the b1m did you so did you get to spend time in both brussels and antwerp no mostly oh. just stayed in antwerp yeah all oh, right nice city Isn't though it? the center yeah. is beautiful yeah i was meant very i was, I was gonna say it's meant to be stunning in antwerp isn't it yeah, yeah. no it's nice nice people nice city so yeah yeah good video nice coming soon fun. we've got a banger of a show this week for you guys we're talking about the 140 billion dollar race to build america's first high-speed railway a video that came out on the b1m a few weeks ago also in the news we're talking about dubai's latest skyscraper complete with a suspended infinity ball i kid you not this thing's actually being built and Saudi Arabia's plan for a subterranean city. Again, you heard that right. Saudi Arabia building a subterranean city. Whole thing is going to be laced with construction, debate, and analysis, along with some of your messages from the week. Let's do it. Let's get cracking. Let's go. So first of this week, we are talking about the $140 billion race to build America's first high-speed railway. This was a video that came out on the B1M over Christmas, between Christmas and New Year, and that did very, very well. I think it's got over 1.8 million views now. Um, such is the interest in America's high-speed rail construction journey slash saga. Now, if you were to plan a trip between two major cities in the US, most Americans would tell you there's only two real options. You can get in your car and drive, which depending on where you're going, might be a very long drive, or jump on an intercity internal short-haul flight of some description. Not many people would get a train somewhere. Most people can't get a train somewhere because the train network just doesn't really exist. And that is all because, well, it's two reasons. There's a deep-rooted, I think, a deep-rooted cultural aversion to using rail in the US. That's been the case for decades. So there hasn't been much investment in rail infrastructure there's been bigger investment in highways, highway upgrades, airports, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of Americans own cars, so will tend to use their car over rail. And breaking that stigma, breaking that kind of, you know, approach and mentality to using cars over rail is really difficult because many American cities have been designed in a way that makes it impossible not to have a car because of where highway systems are built, the way cities are laid out the way different uh, things you need you know whether it's your your grocery shopping or your place where you work or the, the cinema is where your sports center is all of that can be a very long way apart in these sort of sprawling cities so mm. there is a i mean obviously i'm not american i don't live on the ground in america but i've always been struck when i've gone there how rail just isn't really seen as an option there's there's a great subway system in new york i use that quite a bit but again that sort of is used begrudgingly by some people, I think. They prefer mm. to get a cab. It's the culture, isn't it? Like what you've said. People like driving. They like their independence. I think that goes hand in hand with a lot of American culture and history, to be honest. But um, 
I, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I, I remember being in um, DC last year and maybe thinking about hopping up to New York on the train on the old Amtrak because I was like, oh, yeah, that's not going to be too much of a journey, is it? You know, it, And the prices, mate, were just astronomical. Like we think trains are expensive here. They are overpriced in the UK, but they're also just as, if not more, overpriced in the US as well. So yeah. you understand why people just like, oh, I'll just fly. You know, it's like a third quarter of a price of getting a train. It takes less time, maybe. And they're more used to it, I think. Yeah, it that, that's the and I think the cultural thing, as I said, is so deep rooted because most people can't really remember a time where cars and planes weren't the main option you know we're going to talk about the history in a minute but the country is so geared to air travel and road travel that taking a train is quite a difficult thing to do now there are trains they do exist i should say there is the uh in particular the u.s northeast corridor so the area you described luke between dc philadelphia up to new york boston up there there is uh, a pretty high speed rail line that runs up there trains can briefly move for about 150 miles an hour on that route mm. um to kind of clarify this discussion about high-speed rail, I should say the International Union of Railways, which sounds like a very exciting international union, oh. uh, considers that 155 miles an hour is the minimum requirements for high-speed rail. I don't know if they looked at the US Northeast Corridor and then very cruelly set it five miles an hour higher, <laughs> but the major kind of international acceptance is if your train does 155, it counts as a high-speed rail line. See. It's getting me all all excited for HS2, mate. And yet, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, it's only going to Birmingham and to where's the other place in London? Not, Old Oak not Common. Houston. Yeah. Old Oak Common. Do you want to go from go Birmingham on. to the outskirts of London? <laughs> Get really out. quickly. Already can, mate. We've got the M40. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh. Anyway, now, yeah. you might know, if you listen to this podcast or watch the B1M, that America has had its run-ins with high-speed rail before, and basically it's not gone well. There are a few projects kicking around at the minute over in the US of A, most notably California High-Speed Rail, which is currently underway between LA and San Francisco. But eight years after construction began, less than half of it has been built, and none of it is anywhere near the two main cities. There's basically this little section in the middle where they've constructed, I think, between Fresno and somewhere else, but... It's a very, very small section in the middle, uh, and it's a very, very long way from being completed. Costs have now climbed to more than $100 billion and show no signs of uh, slowing down anytime soon. There's also Texas Central, which is still going through early studies. That's going to be a long way off. And Cascadia, which has only just secured federal funding for the planning phase. That is up in the Pacific Northwest Corridor, so between sort of Portland, Seattle, and up into Vancouver, actually, across the border into Canada as well. So there are a few projects kicking around, but none of them are really going anywhere and they've taken a very long time. I have to say, we interview a guy called uh, Eric Goldwyn in this video. He's the program director at the NYU Marin Institute of Urban Management. And you know, he was just lamenting some of these projects. I mean, California high-speed rail in particular, the land acquisition is what's causing the biggest problem there. They've gone out and announced this projects. They've got federal funding. They've let contracts with contractors. They're building it. And then they've gone and knocked on a farmer's door or someone who owns a property in the area and gone, hey, we really need your land for with this railway. Can you sell it to us? And they're going, well, no, you're going to have to you know, offer me a lot more money to buy me out. And that's <laughs> happening up and down this route. And it's just, it just costs are going out of control. It's unreal. 
don't have this uh, don't have these problems in China, do you? <laughs> no, <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> and you can't you can't quite compare the US and the UK with China because you've got a different political system, a yeah, different yeah, a different approach to these things. But you you're right. Yeah. China has the world's biggest high speed railway network. They've built it very quickly over the last ten to fifteen years. But there aren't these land acquisition disputes there. They just kind of uh, get on with it. Yeah, you're also being funny how they they never bump into any archaeology. It's just funny, isn't it? It's just <laughs> must just get didn't, quite lucky. Didn't they, bump, didn't, they, didn't they actually dig up the uh, terracotta army site? That massive cave. Did they? What was yeah. part of a railway? Uh might not be a railway. Oh, I wow. heard they found something. Yeah, one of their railroads found something. Is it Shanghai area? I think. Yeah, it might not. It might not be a railway. I, I've definitely discovered it as as they were doing construction yeah. on something. I mean, yeah. it's it's bound to happen, though, isn't it? Like how big China is, how much rich history it has. Like you're you're bound to just like dig something up and go, like, oh yeah, here we go. This is like a thousand years old. But again, there's probably a different attitude to progress there yeah i think you bring it back to america america has the business case for high speed rail is there you know much more so than it is in the uk they've got the they've got the space they've got the landscape they've got the fact they've got major population and economic centers that are far apart that would be better if they were connected you know that 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 is a strong business case for high speed rail in the uk the business case isn't really there there we talked about in the hs2 video we did there is a business case for connecting the north, the northwest, down to London in a much more, you know, with a much more efficient route. That would be good for the economy in both those places. But we're not doing that now. As I said, we we, we joked about it. We're building from outskirts of London to Birmingham, which doesn't really we don't we don't need a high speed rail line there. Right. Um, it, it adds a lot more value in a much bigger, more sprawling country like China, like the USA. Mm. Do you, do you think these would benefit uh, tourists more than the locals? Because I'd imagine if you were coming, say if you're a tourist from you know a country that is used to trains, you know Europe, say Japan, China, or something like that, and if you're flying over there, <clears throat> you would obviously it would obviously benefit you more to use this. Say if you fly into Miami and you want to go up to say Orlando or wherever, or when they do the California one, fly into Vegas, you want to get down to San Diego. It'd make it a lot more appealing, don't you think? Yeah, for tourists to come. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a, a tourist advantage to it. I think there's there's probably more of an economic advantage in terms of housing and businesses. Because what you do is when you when you create a high speed rail line between one city and another, you enable businesses in the first city to tap into a much wider labour pool. Because suddenly people living in other cities live within a commutable distance of where you are, so you you've got a much bigger pool of people to tap into, and it also helps the housing crisis because if you've got in you know in that first starting city demand for space house prices are going through the roof people can't afford to live there if suddenly they can afford to live further afield or in a different city and get a high-speed rail line between the two you know work in birmingham sorry live in birmingham work in london or live in london work in birmingham mm-hmm. or you know live in la work in san francisco if it becomes a viable thing for you to commute and do that's massive for your state economy and your national economy and like you say liam tourism as well it's huge yeah, massively. I mean, without trying to jump ahead too much, um, in Florida, you know, you've got the bright line that's mentioned in the video. I would rather get a train. If I'm in Florida and I'm visiting Orlando and I want to go to Miami or vice versa, right? I am 
going to want to get the train every single day instead of flying, even if it takes a bit longer? Because does it take a bit longer? By the time you get to the airport early, you've got queues. Orlando Airport is notorious for being absolutely shocking on a, on a lot of accounts. It's like too small for its capacity uh, or for its uh, demand, sorry. The, the train, you just you get to the station, you, you know, go through the barrier, boop. You know, a few hours later, you're in Orlando or Miami. <laughs> you walk out, and you just crack. Like to me, it's such a it's an it's an easier, more pleasant experience, isn't it? Like no it doubt. And I think that's the cultural thing. That's the getting used to that, almost having to be sold that if you're not used to that option, right? Which is something that is common in Europe, but also you you, you have to think in Europe and in Asia, in Australia, you've got the infrastructure in the cities that does support public transport right if i go to uh if i get a high-speed rail to paris from london i can nip around paris with good buses a good metro right can you do that in the u.s or well not all the time right once you arrive in that city are you going to be able to navigate the public transport from there or are you going to just have to rely on cars again do you know what i mean that that is a little bit paradoxical isn't it yeah, and I think that that's the the problem for many people who would who would like to use trains in the US is they can't because they just don't exist. And what's struck me is you know, when I visited the US, and it's more it's not necessarily the big cities like Chicago or New York or LA, yeah. but the or, or DC I should say as well. It's got a good metro system, but the majority of other cities I've visited, the only way to get around is by car. You you yeah. couldn't you couldn't get to parts of a city on foot because there's a massive highway in the way. Yeah, so the only the safest way to get from your hotel where you're staying to the other building you can see from your hotel room is to get a cab or a taxi or an Uber. Like it's mental, mental stuff. I think what's interesting if you dig back into the history, this wasn't always the case. So you know, America's railroads were first built over 200 years ago, um, and for more than a century after that, they had some of the most advanced networks in the world. Let's not forget, it was the uh, transcontinental railroad between the East Coast and the West Coast that was a huge part of US expansion and economic growth. You know, this this country has done rail historically. But then towards the middle of the 1900s, kind of everything changed. The jet age came along. People could travel long distances faster, become more glamorous to travel by air. And at the same time, the American love affair with cars began and in the 1950s, that interstate highway system was born. And this, this seems very sort of uh, dramatic, funny videos of the interstate highway system and how it's going to change the world. And it's very glamorous and yeah, sort of 50s looking stuff, which is all very romantic. They sort of romanticized the highway system that was constructed. By the time the 60s came around, car travel had increased almost fourfold since the mid-1940s. And there were nearly 15 times as many plane journeys. So you see how America's focus really shifted. And again, Eric explains in the video, the guy we interviewed in the video explains that lots of engineers moved over to the air and road engineering fields and the rail talent pool became hugely diminished. So they mm. didn't really have the talent to build rail. The focus and investment was elsewhere. Times that by multiple decades. And you've now got a country that's built around cars and planes predominantly with, I have to say, quite a lot of vested interest, particularly on the air side. You know, there are a lot of companies making a lot of money out of short-haul air travel in the US who really wouldn't want to see a high-speed rail line. Mm-hmm. No planes, trains, and automobiles references, though, in the video. So No, 
That's a bit of a missed opportunity. Not that it affected the viewership because this video is on fire, isn't it? Like still is yeah. right now. A lot of interest, but, um, a lot of interest. Yeah, In the 1960s, we should wind it back to the 1960s because we're sort of moving, yeah. moving through the history of America. 1965, Japan launched the Shinkansen system and then President Johnson was like, this is outrageous. We've got to try and match this. We've got to do better than this. Uh, so he announced this big, bold plan. We've got a clip of him in the video, this big, bold plan to try and build a lot more high-speed rail in the US. They carried out high-speed tests along that northeast corridor, um, got to speeds of over 150 miles an hour. And by 1969, there were actual live services running at speeds of up to 120 miles an hour. So they were, they were kind of getting there, but then everything slipped away in favor of cars as the 60s wore on. Um in the half century that's passed since then, the gap has massively widened like other countries are. I mean, Europe is way ahead on high-speed rail. I mean, mainland Europe is way ahead on high-speed rail. <laughs> China's well ahead on high-speed rail. The UK's got one high-speed rail line at the minute between <laughs> St. Pancras and the Channel Tunnel. Um, and America's got none, technically. So yeah. what's going on? <laughs> what is going on, mate? What is going on? I don't know. I don't know. I think um, I think this is like a little bit of a parody of itself. You know, there's something poetic about kind of being the kings of rail, and then now they've not really done anything since like the 60s, since the mid-century. You know, it's like the whole moon thing, right? We got we had the technology to put a man on the moon, and yet we've kind of not we've not done it since, or like the innovation has just not been there, right? Like we've got like the phones we've got like these mad computers in our pocket and yet infrastructure in not just the us and in in a you know around the whole globe is just kind of sitting there crumbling and we're not fixing it we're not thinking long term about it yeah. everything's very short term you know short term profit got to get my bonus mate need my bonus to, to so i need to lay this bit of track i need to you know tick this box yeah, it's a shame, mate. Yeah. I mean, we should say for balance, because we like a bit of balance on this podcast, oh, yeah. uh, Amtrak Joe, when he got into office, did pass a, I think, $1.2 trillion infrastructure plan, which has made a difference in the US. It's making a difference to a number of projects that are now going ahead, but it's not really enough. I think I think that when they first drew that up, they wanted like $4 trillion or something to do everything. Oh. Um, 1.2 is making a difference. It's a positive thing. I don't want to discount it. It is good. But that doesn't go as far as it should do. Like America's a very expensive place to build right now. And there is a lot of infrastructure upgrade now happening, but it's a massive country. You've got 300 million plus people, huge economic centers. Like it, They need a lot more money and a lot more focus on rail, which is where today's video takes an interesting turn. Because down in Florida, yes, this is uh, Ron DeSantis' country, Florida, uh, $6 billion has been spent on the new bright line between Orlando and Miami. So these are the fastest trains outside the Northeast Corridor, capable of 125 miles an hour, not not high-speed rail, but still a pretty nippy, pretty nippy rail line between Orlando and Miami. Interestingly, this was privately funded, and I think what's most fascinating about this, and this is, this is where the chink in the armour is, this is where the huge opportunity is, much of this runs on tracks that were owned by the Florida East Coast Railway, which is the same uh, parent company as Brightline. And for the new sections of the, of the railway, Brightline used this state policy that allocates a specific right-of-way next to highways for new rail lines. So if you've got a highway running up your state, an intercity, an interstate highway, whatever it may be, 
the land next to that in Florida is allocated as a right of way for new rail lines. So rather than going to, you know, uh, set out with a map and your compass and forge a new rail line up the mountain somewhere or through the jungle or across a desert, you can build it alongside an existing highway, which normally will have done a lot of the, the tunnel digging, the route clearance, all that work beforehand. So that that is a positive thing. Um, and was, was really a big part of enabling the Bright Line in Florida to get constructed. Genius. Pure genius. I love it, mate. I love it. Florida. Florida. Crazy place. Crazy it place. Is, but I, yeah. I don't I mean to mock it. Florida, but it is a crazy place. Like it's very it Yeah, it's very flat. There's a very diverse mix of people. Very flat. <laughs> it's just very flat. I just find when I go, it's very flat. Like you can't see anywhere. It's a crazy place. It's so flat, you know. <laughs> no, it is it is it is an odd place, but I absolutely adore it. I've got a real soft spot for Florida. Was it the um, villages? This yeah. massive community of elderly people called the villages. Oh, no. No, it's wild. That can yeah, like swing a presidential like, election. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, yeah. Yeah. No, it can. It definitely can. But this this is outstanding. I remember seeing this being built when I was last in Florida in 2022. And um, even the locals were really excited about it. Like whenever we'd get in a cab or like on our bus to and from the airport, like people were saying, oh, yeah, this train's being built. And you can see it next to the highway, like you said. Um, fantastic, mate. Using using rail that's already there. Yeah, the demand's there. It's a better option than flying between Miami and Orlando. It would be better for Floridians. It would be better for tourism, right? You mm-hmm. think of how much tourism goes to Orlando alone, you know, through Universal, through Disney World, right? Um, and Miami. Yeah, it's, it's genius, mate. And the fact that a private company is coming along and kind of going, right, okay, we're just going to do this. We're going to do that with support. Of That's the, the thing, right? That's it's the thing. There's, there's, a different, there's a different motivation, isn't there? When it's privately yeah. funded and there's profits on the line and there's Wall Street investors buying this company, there's a different focus. And, that, and it is working. It is working. And now Brightline are working on uh, Brightline West. Clever clever naming here. But Brightline West is going to run between uh, Las Vegas and Southern California, eventually connecting all the way into Los Angeles. That is a $12 billion project. Um, and according to Brightline, it's going to be America's first true high-speed rail line with top speeds of 186 miles per hour at least. Um, this is a very exciting project. This is planned to complete by mid-2028 in time for the LA Olympics. And at that point, I, I don't know, at that point, I kind of have some red flags go up in my head because I've covered high-speed rail projects a lot around the world and in the US and the UK. And if someone says that in America, and not just America, but in California, where California high-speed rail is being built, they want to build a high-speed rail line from scratch for $12 billion in four years and have it working in four years, my gut reaction is, yeah, right, mate. could you imagine that last train from vegas last train of the day (laughs) mate some of the trains coming back to essex from central london yeah on a friday night my days it is yeah in the uk it's like people want to put a burger king or a kebab on the way home you know having a laugh and the joke can of beers Right but there, I imagine it would be like the hangover on a train. You know, someone's got a tiger on a leash. 
there's, there's some random baby in a car seat. it's all going on on. i don't i'm an optimist i like to think i'm optimist i don't want to sound skeptical but on the basis of everything that's gone before someone's saying they can build a high-speed rail line in california uh in four years flat for 12 billion dollars i mean great go for it but um yeah i don't know can't see it happening we're gonna call it now i think it's gonna be over budget and a bit late hmm there you go. Fred Mills, January 2024. That rancho, how do you say that? Cucamonga? Rancho Cucamonga. Yeah. Cucamonga. That's kind of like, you know, California's own HS2, right? Just over 40 miles east of LA. <laughs> Which part of LA that's am all, I in now? Well, uh, in fairness, like LA's pretty <laughs> In fairness, LA's pretty sprawling. But yeah, so this yeah. is a bit, bit of clarity for our listeners. Uh, this is a 218-mile line between Vegas, and I, I mean the strip in Vegas, uh, to almost LA. So that's 350 kilometers. Um, it's going to run to, yeah, Rancho Cucamonga, which is just over 40 miles east of LA, and then you can jump on a Metrolink train and get into Union Station in around an hour. In total, the journey between the two cities will then take approximately three hours down from five hours by road. Mm, it's a big difference. Yeah. It is a big difference, yeah. yeah. And traffic in LA and around LA is shockingly bad. Shockingly bad. So that's probably being generous, like, if you want to get to a part of LA. But this is what I said earlier, mate. Once you get to Union Station, what are you going to do? You're going to be like, right, uh, do I get on the metro? Yeah, jump yeah, on your lime Uber, scooter, right? mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love those. I love those things, mate. Years ago, turning up at, turning up at Hollywood to break into your new movie career on a live yeah. scooter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a membership for one of those for a little bit when I lived in Basildon, but it wasn't Lime. It was um, one of the other ones. I forgot it. You had a, a membership for a scooter. Yeah, well, I paid monthly for it, and then I could wow. use it as much as I wanted, and it was it was actually brilliant it was fantastic but they get left everywhere and yeah they are a bit messy yeah yeah can you imagine arnie coming over from uh austria for the first time this massive bodybuilder trying to break into hollywood and he gets on a little lime scooter <laughs> yeah Mate, he, he's a segway guy he'd definitely be a segway <laughs> chest all puffed out <laughs> a segway I love the public no i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna do the austrian accent <laughs> Let's stop it right there. Yeah. Um, now, where my scepticism might need to be toned down a bit is because 96% of this new rail route is being aligned with the I-15 and much of it is being built in a space between the two railways, sorry, between the two roadways of the I-15. So between the two carriageways in the middle, again, that piece of land is allocated for railway construction. So Brightline's been able to secure a right-of-way alongside the existing road infrastructure They've signed a lease agreement with the California Department of Transportation. So that that's very, very promising. They've not got to go charting a course across a desert somewhere. They, they've got the route. They've got the land secured. They can just basically get ahead and build it. I, I love this comment on YouTube that says, I reckon watching a 180 mile per hour train pass you while you're stuck on traffic on the I-15 might be the biggest motivator for someone trying to use it, right? Absolutely. That is perfect. That's the, that is that is a big selling point, right? If they do this, 
Yeah. I'm kind of absolutely. optimistic about it, though, mate. I'm optimistic. If there's money to be made, never underestimate the Americans. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you're in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you're in the standard queue for a ride at Disneyland and that fast track lane is just there, <laughs> just calling at you. You know, $15, walk yeah. on straight away, yeah. single rider access, all that, you know. The I'm familiar dream. with the dynamic. Yeah, the dream. <laughs> I'm excited for this, mate. I'm I'm pleased with Florida. I'm um I might be out in Florida in a few months' time. Oh. Um, for my missus' work, she's going to be heading over there, and I'm like, yeah, I might just nip along, you know. And we might we might use the train, so I I might be able to give you some live updates from the Brightline Brightline East or the original there you go. I don't know, OG Brightline Florida. Florida. Yeah. Up on it. Yeah. Um, just a bit on funding. So, as I said, this is a $12 billion railway. Most of it is privately funded, but $3.75 billion is coming from the federal government. That was announced by Joe Biden in December 2023. So, that's really good that there is some, uh, a bit of government support, but most of it, again, is private funding. And they've got the land secured. So they know where they're going to build it. Um, the route is already mapped. It does sound pretty promising. So, maybe I'll stand corrected, but yeah. It's, it, feel, it feels ambitious, but let's see where it goes. Exciting times, mate. Exciting times for train geeks in America. I hope it works Absolutely. out. I think this could. I think. I think this will get built. Yeah, there is a there's a campaign group that specialises or that, that's very focused on getting high speed rail built across the US, and they've got this fantastic map which shows the different phases they think high speed rail should be built in. Um, and this would be good. I think if Brightline crack this, if they if they've got their business case proved in Florida, if they bring this to fruition in California and create America's first true high speed rail line, and it's profitable, you know, like you say, Luke, I think you know Americans will will jump on it if there's an opportunity to make some money, and make some profit, and you know, transform economies and transport infrastructure in the meantime. I think you'll see a lot of different you know, state and regional governments going, hey. We'll help you with the land deal. Can you build this between A and B here for us? Yeah, I think it's sensible, mate. Above all. Yeah. Money to Exciting be made and stuff. I think it's sensible. Yeah, it's great. Hopefully we'll be be able to use it in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's see what happens. Let us know what you think about this, guys. If you've ridden on Brightline in Florida, let us know. Get emails coming in at podcast at the B1M.com. Am I being too skeptical? Should I be more optimistic? Let us know what you think. Get your messages coming through. Also in the news this week, we're heading over to two places we pretty much always head to. Uh, first off, Dubai, where construction works are progressing on the 85-story Safatu de Grizzagono Tower. Again, my pronunciation is terrible, as you guys have long established, but this is developed by DMAC Properties and the Swiss luxury jeweler de Grizzagono. I'm not familiar <laughs> with Swiss luxury jewelers, as you might be able to tell. Um <laughs> But this is a super tall residential skyscraper. And the most interesting thing about this, it's got a pretty cool shape. But in the middle of it, there's a, there's a sort of a hole in the middle of the skyscraper. And then suspended in the middle of it is this dramatic glass-bottomed infinity pool hanging out from the side of the building. This thing is, looks absolutely crazy. Project is currently being built uh, and due to complete in 2027. What do you guys think of this one? Would you swim in that? Yeah. Absolutely. 
<laughs> I think I think this looks amazing. Do you know what that? It kind of looks like a. I think someone mentioned it in the comments. It kind of looks like a portal. Kind of looks like. Did you ever see that um, TV show? Uh, What's it called? Stargate SG One. Did you guys get Back that in, in the two thousands? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. I, I vaguely I remember that. This is this portal. It kind of looks like that. Yeah, and people would walk through it. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> Great sound effects. <laughs> I think this is amazing. I think it, I think this is cool. This is like proper proper Dubai build, you know? Mm. Yeah. Very over the yeah. top, very eye-catching, very Instagrammable. Well, pool. someone said it's like all these pools. This is – who said this? Let me just check. This Mohammed has said it looks like all these pools are made just for the Instagram pics. Yeah. <laughs> you, might be, you might be right there, mate. Oscar has said, I would swim in this even if I couldn't swim. <laughs> There you go. Wow. <laughs> nice place to drown for Oscar. What do you think, Luke? I think it is over the top. It is a bit ugly, but it is so Dubai. And if anywhere's going to pull something like this off, it is Dubai. Um, and because of that, I think it's pretty awesome. I think it's a cool mm. little project. What is it, though, with buildings in Dubai, in the UAE, yeah, that have just that fat off ugly d just slapped on it for demac that is it's even mr properties mate. what are you saying I, yeah. yeah i think it's a status thing in fairness if that, i had a skyscraper oh, i'd put my face on top of it as well it's everywhere either mr or demac it's like yeah all right we get it we get it you could you imagine just like mace slapping their logo or kelpray slapping their, their logo on buildings <laughs> It's a big B1M logo at the top of it. Yeah, mate. Have it glowing at night like the big neon. The Twitter X. Oh, yeah. Change the color depending on my mood. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Lots of nice comments on this one, including this one from Justin Chapman, who says, I'm proud because I've gained more than I lost in trading. I really appreciate your efforts. Thank you, Bitcoin trader, Brittany. How many times? (laughs) (laughs) Another one underneath it goes, I wish I I contacted Bitcoin trader, Brittany, sooner. I'd have gone far in life. What a successful withdrawal of 250k I got from Bitcoin trader, Brittany. Who the bloody hell are these people? These bots that just come in and fill comment sections every now and then what's going on i don't know but it's it sounds like we need to invest some money with them as soon as possible mate to mm. maybe put all of the b1m funds into that then you can double it genius genius <laughs> it's genius i was just hearing the board meeting where i described what's happened i've put all the b1m funds into bitcoin we're going to double it don't worry <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway <laughs> Heading over to Saudi Arabia after a couple of weeks break, they're back, guys. They're back with a crazy announcement. They've they've cranked things up a gear. They've built long stretch. Well, they're building, planning to build long buildings stretching out across the desert. They've tried to build a building a kilometer up into the sky. Where would you go next? Where's the obvious direction? Downwards. That's right. They're building a new <laughs> subterranean community <laughs> hidden behind mountain cliffs, extending a hundred meters below the ground. This is called Aquellum. Aquilium? Again, yeah. Liam will correct me, it's pasta or something like that, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you're supposed to pronounce Aquellum. it. Aquellum. Aquellum, surely, right? Aquatic. Aquellum. 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 Um, yeah. yeah, this is wild, isn't it? Yeah, this is set to be know. constructed on the Gulf Coast of Aquaba. Again, I've got that wrong. Aquaba? 
<laughs> near the sea somewhere. <laughs> Quite bad. The project's going to form part of uh, Neom's wider you know, mega master plan of giga projects trying to diversify the economy. Uh, and in a statement, Neom explained how guests will get there. Now, if you haven't seen this, this is this is crazy. There's a floating marina next to the shoreline, a quite mountainous shoreline. And they're saying that guests will board a specially designed vessel to enter Aquellum through a concealed underground canal. So you're going to go through this canal you can see in the side of the mountain, in there, and then you come out in this cave that's been fitted out as this sort of vertical inside city. Uh, and apparently that's going to offer you an incredible sensory journey. That's the direct uh, wording from their press release. But yeah, basically you park your boat up on this flight marina on the coast, get on a special vessel, go through a canal... And then come up in inside in this crazy, crazy space, set and hidden within the mountains. So you can't see it from the ground level, but when you're in there, you've got natural light falling in from the ceiling, and then what looks like the Independence Day mothership inside. It's just, it's, <laughs> yeah. What Can they build film? it? Is the question. What a film, by the way, Independence yeah. Day. Yeah, Love that. this is epic. Yes, this is like phenomenal. If they build this. I would definitely go visit. I would definitely visit this place. Yeah. It's incredible. Would you swim in this, mate? That's my next question. Uh, it looks like there could be sharks in there, mate. I'd probably <laughs> it's the Red sea. connected to the Red Sea, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, Not a chance. you must never go in the sea. Uh, oh, I go. I always make sure there's like people around me, though. So I'm like, I can definitely swim faster than that person. <laughs> 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 yeah this is epic I, I putting aside all the Saudi Arabia baggage I think this is amazing if they build this it will be out of this world it's does crazy. it kind of look like a converted warehouse inside it are you kind of getting those kind of vibes from it? when you're actually inside it's like this cool like big warehouse with- yeah the way that light falls down and they've got the, the sort of green water and the plants inside it's it's amazing. I thought I thought it was some sort of AI design when I first saw it, but it's a real proposal by Saudi Arabia. As we always say, guys, we know there's a long way to go between all these renders they're putting out to drive investment in the country and actually getting it built. But in terms of like the the vision, mm. I think it's incredible. Yeah, it's something. It is something. <laughs> I don't. I just don't <laughs> get how it's going to be possible, mate. Like this is surely this would if this gets built this is going to change the world of construction, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this is a huge deal. That, huge that deal. point. I don't know if you see that a lot of the neo marketing that you get that seems to be blasted everywhere at the minute is uses that sort of angle of it's never you've never seen anything like this before. It's unlike anywhere you've been before. That is, yeah. seems to be what they're shooting for, doesn't it? Shock value, right? Because mm. you look at it and you go. Like, what? <laughs> a lot of it is aimed at tourism, though, isn't it? And experience, you know, and like what you've you've uh, said, that transition of economy, right, to, to a more diverse economy, less reliance on oil and uh, their, their traditional economy. But I don't know. I don't know. Skeptical, like with anything, Neom, to be honest, because they keep announcing this stuff and we're not seeing any progress apart from moving some dirt around for the yeah. line yeah i do wonder if a lot of it is to build up a lot of pr and marketing interest up front drive a load of interest 
to then trigger lots of private sector investment, which then helps them actually build it. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. But I mean, yeah, they're not maybe. they're not short on cash. They they have they have the funds to build this. Right. Europe. They're not a poor country. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, mate. Wild. More wild stuff. Looks like it could be from Star Wars. Yep. Yeah, few comments here saying it looks like a Minecraft world. Someone's saying it'd be a great place to drop the new the new Fortnite game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sam's saying it looks like a dystopian hellhole. Yep. I yeah. think Sam might be right as well. <laughs> D- yeah, different views on this. Uh, someone say never going to happen. There you go. That's the spirit. <laughs> so, wouldn't it be hot? Won't it be like crazy hot? Well, isn't well, no. In theory, because if you've got a good thermal mass around you and you're in a cave, you should yeah. be you should be nicely insulated. Oh. So it should stay nice and cool in there. I think. Oh, okay. As compared to the boiling desert outside. See, that's that's why we need a Fred Mills in the, in in our lives. Yeah, very know? thick stone walled buildings, like an old castle. If you're going out on a hot summer's day, or a cave, or yeah, that that will all be quite cool in there. So this sort of very, yeah, this this building here, surrounded by rock building, should be <laughs> building. What is it? Yeah, building. This project here, this yeah. base, <laughs> this, this, this future Star Wars set uh, should yeah. be nice and cool. So. Yeah. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about the products this week. One in Dubai, one in Saudi Arabia. Get your comments coming in. Podcast at the B1M.com. Heading over to the messages. What have we got this week, Luke? We got a lovely message from regular listener, Brandon De Bruyne, who's actually messaged us before. We've read out one of his uh, messages on the poddy, I think a few shows back, a few months back. But it says, hello from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Would love to give back for all the laughs and knowledge and Luke's 30% roof pitch answer. <laughs> I think that was... <laughs> I was like, I don't really get the... I don't really get the questions. I went with 30%. Like an idiot. Um, collectively, what is the best world's construction podcast's favourite building? any type i've been following you guys since the original episode and i've heard a lot of juicy banter about best and worst buildings but if you can make up your mind together i'll draw you lads a massive original of that building and ship it to you you can look me up on linkedin at my name to ensure i'm not rubbish at drawing i'm actually connected with uh brandon de bruyne on linkedin now um where do we start do we pick a really hard building so he has to draw something really challenging? Yeah. Yeah. That really it's mean? got like what? It's got like to be. What? I don't know. <laughs> Walkie talkie uh, one. It's quite a bit hard. Yeah. Mm. I, I agree. Walkie talkie would be a very good one. The Two. trouble is, we need three of us to agree on this, don't we? I thought, mm, or is it majority? I don't no, I think we need you down on vote. He says, he says, make up your mind together. Mm. Yeah, um, it's a tough one, isn't it? What do you think? I, I remember Fred's like, "Oh, I love the Golden Gate Bridge," you know. Not a building. Mm, no, I suppose not. <laughs> Good point. I do like the Golden Gate Bridge. It's, it's, there's, it represents a lot of. It represents a lot of things. The Golden Gate Bridge. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> Chrysler um, Building. I, yeah, Chrysler's nice. I'm tempted to go for a skyscraper. Walk no, Liam's not a fan. 
we, we can go walkie talkie because it is kind of synonymous with the podcast yeah I think we should hey, imagine that should hanging in the office, office. <laughs> perfect people are like wow that's such a good drawing we're like yeah it's of our it's of uh, our favourite building what if we did like an abstract take on the walkie talkie so it's like it's actually shaped like a walkie talkie and there's like protesters in the street throwing eggs at it and Fred, oh, Fred yeah. Mills crying and you know I saw that the other day when it painted red the, end, the lobby was wasn't it sprayed was it? red or something oh was it yeah yeah yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about like a chat GPT thing <laughs> you know, when, you, when you people just chuck the thread and they're like the guy's like add more trains and then it's just like make the tr- make make the train a god or whatever it's just, they just keep pushing it <laughs> more make it more British make it more British yeah alright then Brandon there you go the uh, the walkie talkie let's go for that I'm actually so it's, chuffed with that I'm so chuffed with Luke that. and Liam's best building and my worst building which comes <laughs> when you when you average that all out is basically the building of the podcast so there you go <laughs> scar on the face of London that is no it's a beauty it's a beauty thank you so much Brandon mate thanks for reaching out thanks for listening and uh, thanks for the for the uh, offer so yeah walkie talkie mate London let's do it nice nice hmm. anyway guys get your comments coming in get your feedback coming in send us your messages podcast at the b1m.com and we'll see you next week Love when you do that, Liam. When you just drop a pen on the table, it's really. I know. When you do this, can you hear that? You can't. <laughs> no, hear just that. start talking. Just start talking. You do this. You just want. Oh, you drop man, well... stuff every.